And here we read that I have been crucified with Christ. Here Paul was identifying with the work that Jesus did. And when we talk about this, we want to see ourselves the way that God sees us. And when Paul said this, he was talking for us, that I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live. In other words, I'm a dead man. I'm, my, my body is dead. I live now. Uh, I, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loves me. Now, when we read this, we have to understand that there's a twofold oneness. There's a two aspects of this particular passage of Scripture that is important. We have to understand that his oneness, number one, the first part of the, uh, of, of the twofold oneness is his oneness with our sin on the cross. Now, how many of y'all know that Christian sin. How many of y'all know that Christ died for our sins? And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Now, when Christ died on the cross for our sins, he died for the past sins, the present sins, and the future sins. All of the sins. Can I have an amen? And the oneness that we have with him is that our sins, our past sins, our present and the sins that may happen in the future was Christ was one with us in those. And he died for that. Can I have an amen? And this second part of the twofold oneness is that we are one with him in glory. The work that he did caused us to be victorious. You see, he became one with us in sin that we might become one with him in righteousness. Did you get that? He, become, he became one with us in death that we might be one with him in life. And the life that I live is the life of Christ. It's no longer I who live. I'm a Christian. And I'll quote this passage of scripture several times because it's one of my favorites. It says that if any man is in Christ, how do you become in Christ? You become born again. You ask him to forgive you of your sin. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. He's a new creature. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. And so I want to talk about this. Did I tell you to turn to Ephesians chapter 1 there? Look at this in Ephesians chapter 1. We should learn to see ourselves the way that God sees us. We should learn to see ourselves as... Uh, uh, as depicted in Scripture. You know, I love my, we love children and we love little Kristen and, and I'm having a joy watching her grow up just like I did Donnie and Tara. But little Kristen, you know, she, uh, she, she looks at me and she says, you know, I can't do that, Dad. But I know her abilities. I know what her age uh, uh what she's capable of doing at her age. And I say, Kristen, you can do that. She goes, no, I can't, Dad. She doesn't see her abilities the way that I see them. Are you listening to me? And so many times Christians do not see their abilities in Christ the way that God sees them. And we need to see ourselves as God sees us. 
no longer tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. Thank the Lord that we can be sound in the God's word. And I want to talk about this more, seeing yourself as God sees you. And here in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 22, it says here, And God has placed all things under his feet, talking about Christ, talking about the work that Jesus did. God has put all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Would you say that with me? The fullness of him, who fills everything. You see, he's the head and we're the body. He's the head of the church and we're the body of Christ. Now look at Ephesians chapter two and verse six. We should see ourselves as joined with Christ. We should see ourselves in the finished work that Christ has provided for us. We know that we're the church, isn't that right? And the church tells us that we're a part of the body of Christ. In members individually. And it says here in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 6, and God has raised us. Who is us? Say me. Amen. God has raised me up with Christ. Hallelujah. And seated us with him in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. So not only when Christ was resurrected and ascended upon high, uh, God raised us up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now, here we are in this world and bombarded with all types of things that happen in our lives every day. But Christ has made us victorious. Even though we face things that are difficult, Christ has made us who he is, spiritually speaking. Can I have an amen? He's the head and we're the body. Have you ever seen a head without a body? Well, that would be a freaky head, wouldn't it? Huh? Have you ever seen a body without a head? Well, that would be a freaky body. We're not a freaky body, are we? We have Christ as the head of the church. And as we are sitting here today, collectively, as a church, are you with me? We are a body of believers and Christ is the head of us. And as we are sitting here collectively as members and bodies of the body of Christ with the whole church, Christ is the head of the whole church. Look at Colossians chapter 2, if you would, please. You see, we should learn to say what God says about us. We should learn to see ourselves the way that God sees us. How many of y'all know that God can't lie? When he tells you something, you have to believe it. You know, we get to tell Kristen, you know, she's growing up. I mean, thank the Lord for her sermon illustrations. But yesterday, you know, she told a little lie. Okay. And uh, mom busted her out on it. Okay. Not in a mean way. And, uh, you know, she just asked her about the truth. And, and I said, oh, that means you didn't tell the truth, did you? And she said, well, no. And she started to cry and I said, you're not in trouble for, for lying, honey. I said, let me explain something to you. Here's why we don't lie. We don't lie not because we'll get caught and be in trouble. That's not why we worry about lying. 
we worry about lying because you're a good person and I want to trust you for always. And when you lie, you're betraying the trust that I have in you. And if I would lie to you, I would, I would betray the trust that you have in me. Are you with me this morning? It's important not to lie. And we all want to lie sometimes. Come on, help me out here. Don't, don't make me preach to myself. You know, we get into situations to where we go, you know, I'm just, you know, I'm just going to say this. <laughs> Thank you for that one amen and two little grunts over here. But you know what we have to do? We have to live in the truth. Because when we live in the truth, he's in the truth. And when we live in the truth and accept his truth, his truth becomes real to us. Hallelujah. When we come to the situation of, well, you know, this is a little bit difficult of trying to explain myself, so I'll just tell a little white lie. You have to stop yourself and say, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm, I'm going to either change what I'm doing or I'm going to get away from it altogether so I'm not in this situation. Whatever it is, don't tell a lie. And God can't lie. And when he says that, that he's the head and that we're the body and that, when we've been, uh, that we've been raised together with Christ Jesus and that we're seated with him in heavenly places, it's the truth, praise the Lord. And we should learn to see ourselves that way. But you see, some people do not see themselves or identify themselves with being a part of the body of Christ. That's one reason people have a problem with going to church and fellowshipping with Christians. They don't see themselves the way that God sees them. And sometimes people don't see themselves as being fullness, the fullness of him. Did you hear that? They don't see themselves as the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. You see, Christians don't see themselves seated in heavenly places in Christ. Now, if you imagined and saw yourself the way that God sees you, you could see the throne of God. Are you with me this morning? And Christ Jesus sitting there. Can I have an amen? amen. And you're a part of that body. Amen. Look at me. He's not, say this, he's not, he's not. making this stuff up. This stuff up. <laughs> amen, it's the truth. It's in the scripture. Now look here in Colossians chapter 2 with me, would you please? When we see ourselves in the biblical truth, we see ourselves in our life is hidden in Christ, that we've been crucified with him, and it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Thank the Lord. Now this is a very important scripture, and I want you to uh, take some time here. It says in verse 9 of Colossians chapter 2 for in him all the fullness of deity what's deity it's the father son and the holy spirit for in him in where when it's talking about that in Christ how did he be in Christ you give your heart to the Lord and you believe him and you follow him say amen, amen. for in him everybody say this next word all <laughs> All the fullness of the deity, of deity, dwells in bodily form. Do you understand what that's saying? Look, look at this, and I have it up here in, in, the, in the New Living Translation. kind of puts it out a little bit easier. For in Christ, 
lives all the fullness of God in a human body. Can I have an amen? Is that what the scripture says? Huh? It says, for in him all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form, and in him, in who? How do you become in Christ? You get born again and you believe in him. In verse 10, and in him you have been made, past tense, complete. And he is the head over all the rule and authority. So in him you've been made complete. And let me, let me make this clear. We are not gods. Can I have an amen? We're not little Jesuses. He is God. He is Jesus. We're just a part of that body. And God has chosen us to do a work for him. But when we're in him, when we're born again, if any man is in Christ, he's a new person. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. And when we're in him, things become complete. It is finished. <laughs> Amen. One of the last things that Jesus said when he was on the cross, he said, it is finished. What is finished? The work that he did for us through the substitutionary work, through his death, burial, and resurrection, he abolished sin. Come on, help me out. He made a provision for us to be close to God and reconciled to God. He caused us to be the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Thank the Lord that there's joy and in him we are complete. There's nothing fragmented. There's nothing tore apart. There's nothing left out. Say that, nothing left out. We are complete. It's done. But people don't see themselves as complete. People don't see themselves as a finished work. They see themselves as barely getting along or waiting on God or waiting on the next trial and struggling through the valley of the shadow of death. But we are complete and the work that Jesus did is done. And we don't want him to come back and try to do it again because he doesn't need to. Can I have an amen? So what does it mean to be complete? What does it mean to be in him? It means that in him, we have the fullness of the godly body in him. And we're complete. Complete means that you're satisfied. Amen? Wanting nothing. The scripture says that the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Some people read that and they say, I, the Lord is my shepherd and I'm full of want. My name is Jimmy, gimme, gimme, gimme. Lord, what are you going to do for me today? Lord, I need a blessing. No, you are blessed. What, it's not what the Lord is going to do for you. It's what he has done for you. And that's what we should live in and that's what we should expect and that's what we should rejoice over. Hallelujah. Not what he's going to do for us, but what he has done for us and that work is complete. Hallelujah. You see, a work of the Holy Spirit through the death, burial, and resurrection was for me and you and us to be complete in him. Not fragmented. To be complete is to have the work finished. Say Amen finished to be complete to be complete it means that it's satisfactory finished satisfactorily finished amen and it's complete in christ means that it's perfect and that it's fitted and it's assured 
You see, the problem is that people are trying to be complete in him. They're trying to obtain happiness. They're trying to obtain uh, whatever it is, healing or provision. But it's not what God can do for them. One more miracle or one more move or the baptism of the Holy Spirit or special, special manifestations or, or healing. You see, people are trying to be complete in him, but it's not trying to be complete in him. It's that we are complete in him. It's not what God can do for you. It's what he's done for you. The New Living Translation says, For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in human body. Praise the Lord. He's the head and we are the body of Christ. So you're complete through your union with Christ. Who is the head over every ruler and authority. Again, there is power in authority Thank the Lord in knowing who you are. Amen. Now, I want you to, I want to say something. Everything that God does in our lives is a part of a whole. There's nothing that is it that we're going to attain. Listen, God will always be doing things in our lives but everything he does is a part of the whole that's already been done. Are you with me on that? In other words, if you have a thousand parts to an automobile, you have a car, all right? But maybe it's not all put together yet. But you still have everything. So when God blesses you here, when he blesses you there, you was already complete. You already had everything. It's just him finishing the work. And the scripture says that we're his workmanship. Amen. You see, the scripture says that no man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. You are only complete in him. Amen. The only thing that will make you satisfied and complete in him is understanding his word and and seeing yourself as God sees you. Amen. Now, let me talk about the covenant of completeness. The covenant. You know, Yvonne and I, we get to talk. Thank the Lord, my family gets, get, get, gets to be a part of my sermon illustrations all the time. <laughs> Maybe they don't, thank God. But you know, Yvonne and I are in a covenant. When we got married, we said it's death till death do us part. I'm going to be there for you. I'm not going to wander. And if I doubt or if I waver, I'm going to remember the time that we made in this covenant. And I'm going to, I'm going to be there for you in sickness. I'm going to be there in health. And, and uh, the, we, made a, we made a covenant for better, for worse. Isn't that right? And, and she, you know, after we got married, she said, you know, there wasn't uh, for richness and poor, rich and, richness and poorness. She said there wasn't an emphasis on poorness, all right, <laughs> in that covenant. <laughs> you better get the work, boy. So anyways, here I am. Uh, but we made a covenant. You that's been married and you that are married have made a covenant, haven't you? And you're going to fulfill your end of the bargain of that covenant. And you see, it doesn't matter what happens down the road. 
if you're in covenant relationship with, with, uh, with God, he's going to take care of it. He said that he's going to be El Shaddai, your provider. El Shaddai, the God who is more than enough. He said that he was going to be Jehovah Jireh, your provider. He said that he was going to be Jehovah Rapha, the Lord God that heals you. That was the covenant that he made with you. So you don't have to wonder if he's going to hold his end of the deal up. Is this, are you going to hold your end of the deal up? Amen. And you are. Everybody say, I'm going to hold my end of the deal up. I'm in covenant with God. He loves me and I love him. I'm not going to break that covenant. I walk with him and I talk with him. And, and he's with me every day of my life. And, and thank the Lord that in bad times and in good times, he's always there. And you see, we have a covenant of completeness with him. And someone said, well, you know, I wish that he would hurry up. R remember, it takes two to be in a covenant. And if one is slacking off in the covenant, well, you know, the other one might just wait on you to get up to speak. Can I have an amen? So don't be discouraged. The word of God is true and we are victorious in him. So in closing, in this series, I believe today, I want to ask you, are you, when we talk about seeing ourselves as God sees us, are you a victim of identity theft? You know what identity theft is. You know, that's when somebody takes your, your, what's yours and uses it, and then you no longer have access to it. Isn't that right? In many cases. Well, there's a spiritual identity theft. Many times Christians, uh, have lost their identity of who they are in Christ Jesus. And over the last couple of Sundays, I've wanted to talk about seeing ourselves as God sees us because the devil has stole our identity in many cases. Can I have an amen? So, if you are a victim of identity theft, spiritual identity theft, realize that it comes in many different ways, in two ways that I want to talk about it. Number one, it comes from the lies of the devil. You remember the, the number one job of Satan in John chapter 10 and verse 10, it says that the thief comes not only to steal, but to kill and destroy. And Satan's number one job is to steal your identity by reminding you of your past. Did you know if the devil can keep you on your past, you can never see yourself as you really are? You see, if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. You come to Jesus and you become new. You see, you're the same person, but that old person is gone and your identity is in him. Amen. We're not a part of our old past. We're not a part of, of, uh, 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 of sin. We're not a part of, of you know, uh, we, we, we get in there and, uh, you know, the Lord really checked me. The scripture says uh, that we're not to allow any corrupt communication to come out of our mouth, but only that which is edifying to the body of Christ. And there was a time in my life that when the guys would start talking about how they would party and have a good time, you know, I started to think, you know, yeah, I did that. Yeah, I did this. Yeah, I went about and did that. And, 
and I would share my experiences and they would share their experiences. And uh, you know what I was doing was identifying with what I was redeemed from. And I stopped it. I stopped talking about what I did and how I went about doing that. Instead, I started, they started talking about what they did. I well, let me tell you what God did for me. He delivered me out of that mess. I'm a new person now. I don't identify with, with a bottle of whiskey in my hand. I don't identify with uh, whatever it is. I, don't, I mean, I can't imagine what it would look like. I have no clue. But you know what? I have a vivid, imagine, a vivid picture of me sitting in heavenly places in Christ Jesus with all rule and authority and the devil under my feet. Praise the Lord. And we should have that vision. We should have that. And you see, the devil will want to try to, uh, number one, steal your identity by making you relate with the person that's poor, with the person. And, you know, hey, I've been poor and poor is good. Just a little bit more money is better. I'm not saying bad, anything bad about poor. Come on, help me out here. Uh, uh, money means nothing to us. <laughs> Nothing at all, but it's nice to have when the bills come. Everybody said amen. 